Welcome to Base Liberty, your source for politics. The government is way too big, way too intrusive, we are overtaxed. History. The right to self-defense is a natural, God-given right. The founders clearly understood this. Economics. We can't just keep printing off money, we can't just keep borrowing money. If you think this path is sustainable, then I've got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. And more. From a liberty perspective. I've got to disagree with you there. The income tax is clearly immoral because it assumes you don't own the fruit of your labor, the government. With your host, Darren Wisely. Deregulation and decentralization are the answers if we're ever going to get this thing back on track. We need to look to families, churches, and charities, not the What's state. Going on? Welcome to Base Liberty, Episode 9. Darren Wisely here. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today is Friday, September 4th, 2020. Today we're going to talk about Kenosha, Wisconsin, and Kyle Rittenhouse, and uh, some of these issues a little more broadly. So I'm sure you've all followed the story of Kyle Rittenhouse. Um, he went down to Kenosha, Wisconsin, because the city is basically being burned to the ground by these protesters who are looting, rioting, they're very violent. Uh, it's complete chaos there. And he got caught up in a really kind of weird situation. Supposedly people were threatening him, chasing him around. And in, as a result of this, two people were killed and a third was injured. So Rittenhouse has been charged with two counts of murder. He, they're also charging him with uh, injuring the third person. And he's got a couple of firearms charges as well, uh, being a 17-year-old with a rifle and bringing a firearm across state lines. So the media is giving their typical spin on this, and I know it's really hard to imagine a white male with an AR-style rifle protecting property. The typical responses are being given by CNN, MSNBC, The New York Times, and so on. Rittenhouse's attorney did get a chance to come on Tucker Carlson a couple days ago. Check that out if you want to hear the other side of the story, because, of course, that isn't getting much play. But his attorney, of course, is saying his client did nothing wrong, and... He says that Rittenhouse was in fear for his life, he was acting in self-defense, and he didn't, in fact, bring a firearm across state lines in reference to that, uh, those firearms laws that he's been charged with as well. Really, this case is going to come down to if self-defense will be a valid defense for Rittenhouse. Now, self-defense is going to require a reasonable use of force given the circumstances. Another thing that will come into play is if Rittenhouse is considered the initial aggressor. So you can't be the initial aggressor in a situation and then use self-defense um, as a defense if you hurt or kill someone else. So let me give you an example. I walk into a bar and I pick out the biggest, strongest, meanest looking dude sitting there and decide to pick on him. Say this guy is Stone Cold Steve Austin, right? I go up to Stone Cold, you know, he's got his got his pipes out there flexing, he's minding his own business, having a good time, having him a jalapeno burger, and I come up and said, you know, stone cold, uh, you're a wimp, I start using profanity, I start really, really provoking him, I tell him, you know what, you'll never be as good as Dwayne The Rock Johnson, and he's shrugging it off, he's just trying to have a good time, and... I just keep badgering him and badgering him. And then finally, I kind of start pushing around. Come on, you ain't all that stone cold. You don't stand a chance in a fight with me. And eventually, after all this provoking, stone cold, he drops everything. He gets up and he just 
picks me up by the throat. He's holding me up in the air. I'm dangling, kicking my legs, and Stone Cold is just about to uh, unleash a can on me. And then I say, oh, my gosh, I'm, I'm about to get my butt beat, and I've got a pistol on me. I pull it out, and I pop Stone Cold. And I say, well, I acted in self-defense. Stone Cold was assaulting me. Well, yes, but I was the initial aggressor because I provoked the confrontation. So uh, just to make it clear, you can't provoke someone, then they come after you, then use self-defense. And I'm not saying any of those things did or didn't happen in this case. I'm just trying to go through some of the scenarios that are probably going to come into play. Um, The point of this episode is not to give a legal analysis of the case. I want to talk about some of these issues that are brought into this more broadly, and it's up to you to decide what you think about Rittenhouse or what you think about this case. Uh, Do your own research, listen to all sides, come up with your own conclusion. I'm not here to tell you what to think, I'm just here to give you some resources. But with that being said, this, uh, this case really brings a few different things I wanted to dissect and get into with our modern political climate and with some different things going on. Starting first with the gun laws, this whole concept of the federal government regulating firearms is completely unconstitutional. The Second Amendment says, shall not be infringed. It's very, very clear, and all federal gun laws are unconstitutional. The federal government has no business being in this arena, and the fact that it would be a felony to bring a firearm across state lines is just completely silly. So it's just a stupid law. Another one of these unnecessary firearms laws, probably drafted by people who've never fired a weapon in their life, are scared of them, and and clueless about what's going on. Now, in regards to Wisconsin state laws, uh, as much as I don't like state restrictions on on gun rights, that's a little different. Um, If under their state law, as long as it's in accordance with their state constitution, uh, that'll be fine. Now, most states do have very similar provisions in their state constitutions to the United States Bill of Rights. I haven't looked at Wisconsin, so I don't know exactly where things fall there. But, uh, you know, it can be argued that it's con- some of these other uh, gun control laws, if they fall, if they're compliant with Wisconsin's state constitution, uh, can be legally enforced. But the whole reason we have the Second Amendment is for situations like this so that you can protect property, you can protect yourself. And again, I'm not speaking specifically to Kyle Rittenhouse's case, but in general, that's the reason you have the right to self-defense. It's part of your natural God-given right to exist. And that really ties into the next thing I want to discuss is just this chaos going on throughout the United States. You're seeing it in Seattle. Now we're seeing it here in Kenosha, Wisconsin. We're seeing it all over in these big liberal cities with Democrat mayors, um, sometimes even Democrat governors. And... You know, they're totally fine with it. And how's come in this case, what about all the looters and rioters? What about the people that came after Rittenhouse? Are any of them being charged? To my knowledge, none of them are yet. Maybe they will after this outcry by the few of us, you know, who have this other perspective on the case. But why is it that this 17-year-old, and maybe he is in the wrong, I don't know. But why is he the only one charged when all these looters and rioters burning down cities, they're walking away scot-free? If you want to be the mayor of your city, then protect your city. If you don't want to, or you're, you're too much of a wimp to, then step down and let someone else do it. 
Why do you even want to be the mayor if you're just going to sit there and watch your city burn the ground unless you just hate your city? This double standard that these thugs can go riot, loot, do whatever they want, but someone who wants to stand up against them is the one facing a legal battle is absurd. It's asinine. Pay taxes under the guise that they'll have the government protect them when they need it. They'll have law enforcement protecting their businesses, protecting them from harm. And then that time comes and nothing happens. All these looters, these rioters, and these mayors and other government officials uh, not doing anything about it. I mean, they're just throwing the election right into Donald Trump's hands. I mean, Sleepy Joe isn't a great candidate to begin with. But people are going to look for the law and order candidate. And uh, Joe Biden sitting in his basement through all of this. And, you know, kudos to President Trump because... You know, he's a doer. He likes to do things. And, you know, he hasn't sent out military and things like that yet. And that should be a last resort. Um, but I'm sure his gut goes the other way. But constitutionally, the federal government does have to ask permission from a state, from a locality, before they send in any kind of federal troops there. So that's how this works out well for Trump because he can say, hey, I'll send in, you know, the National Guard or military or you know, a federal enforcement agency to clean up your city because that is the constitutional way to do it. And if these mayors say no, 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 well, they're the bad guy because Trump offered and they turned it down. They can't blame it on Trump for not doing anything. So it's kind of a win-win for Trump because if he sends enforcement in and he does it lawfully, constitutionally, that's great because he helped clean up the mess these Democrat uh, officials put to their city but then if they turn now you can't blame trump and of course the media is going to find a way well he should have just done it anyway well if trump did it unconstitutionally then they'd be saying he's acting unconstitutionally so of course the media is going to spin it to hurt trump however they can but for those of us that have two brain cells to rub together and can see the whole situation for what it is it's very clear that these mayors are totally fine lighting their cities burn to the ground and it's absolutely disgusting the average working people that have worked their whole lives to provide a living for themselves their families are just seeing it all literally get burned up in flames and these people don't care because all they care about is their own political agenda and for some reason they think pandering to these crazy marxists is going to help them out we'll see when these elections go by if that's the case and this all really cultivates with the most important thing i wanted to get uh, get across in this episode is property rights are the foundation, the bedrock of civilized society. Without property rights, you don't have a civilized society because property rights are what gives this order that this is mine, that's yours, I'm not going to take yours, you're not going to take mine. And this has been for thousands and thousands you know, of years, this has been something people understood in civilization for instance your own home that's your home you lock the doors and that is your safety from people trying to steal from you trying to hurt you and your family because that's your property same thing you go to work uh you earn a check to pay your bills to buy food things you need to survive that's your property you worked for that and it gives you that security, that ability to know, okay, this is how much food I have. This is how much clothing I have. These are the other essential resources I have. Property rights are that stability in 
a civilized society. So you take that away, and you have exactly what's going on in Portland, in Kenosha, and other places where it's just absolute chaos. With that, your body, your physical existence, that is your property. So when we're talking about restricting liberty, when we're talking about restricting what you can do, that's infringements on your property rights as well. So if someone assaults you, you're protecting yourself. You're protecting your property, most important part of your property, your body, your being. But these communists, these leftist socialists, they want to get rid of property rights. And I find it interesting and completely contradictory, and they probably don't even see this, but if we got rid of property rights, then in theory, we can do whatever we want to those communist individuals because we don't have property rights, so they don't have the, pro the right to self-ownership. So then someone could kill them, could assault them, could, could do whatever they want be to these communists under their own theory because they don't have that property right, that right to self-ownership. And I see these people on social media saying, um, is it worth you know someone's life trying to protect your property and you kill them? Yes. Yes, it is. You should use reasonable force in, a, in the abstract. If someone's going to break into your house and you knew, well, they're only going to take one thing, they're not going to harm me or my family, should you kill them? No, you shouldn't. But in reality... If someone breaks into your house at night, you don't know that, oh, they're just going to take the TV. They're not going to bother us. You know, they're just going to maybe break a window. You, and rightfully show, so, should feel threatened for your life. Someone broke into your home. That's your property. They have no right to be there. You have the right to use reasonable force to defend yourself, your family, your property. And when it's the middle of the night, you don't know if this person's armed. You don't know if they're there to kill you. You got to fire off. You got to do what you got to do. And... This ability to protect property rights, because property rights mean nothing if they're just on paper. If it's, here's the deed, uh, you know, to your house, your car, whatever, if you don't have a mechanism for enforcing that property right, it's worthless. It's just a piece of paper. How do you enforce property rights? Well, society set up law enforcement court systems to protect property, but at the end of the day, if someone breaks into your house, if someone is about to beat you up or kill you, you can't wait till the police get there. And the police were nowhere in Kenosha, in Seattle. Um, probably more so not on their own doing, but on their local government's leadership. Your only way then, when there's no law enforcement to protect you, is to protect yourself. And a person could be bigger than you, stronger than you. That's what having a weapon does. It is the great equalizer. For a woman, carry a weapon. There's so many perverts out there, you know, looking to sexually assault women. Carry a weapon. That's a great equalizer. And there's so many great stories of women who have protected themselves uh, by staying armed. So that's the whole notion. And that, again, I touched on a second ago, why we have the Second Amendment. It's, it's about the right to exist. If you don't have a right to defend yourself, you don't have a right to exist. And if you don't have a right to protect your property, then you don't have property rights. And if you don't have property rights, what I just say, you don't have a civil society. Well, I'm not going to belabor that point anymore, but here's the key. We need to protect property rights. It's the only way to 
We need to protect property rights. We need to understand the right to stay armed to protect those property rights, to protect your life, to protect your liberty. Uh, because without it, there really are no rights. Without the right to protect your rights, you do not have them. So thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed this episode. If you do, like, share, and subscribe. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever else you get your podcasts. And we're also on YouTube as well. Check out choosewisely.org. If you want to stay in touch, you can get on the email list. Thank you so much, and we will see you next week.